This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. How do you connect with each other? We um, used to spend a lot more time connecting with each other, having kids, and then also living through a pandemic with a lot of closures. But the way that we used to connect is we used to go out for dinner and, you know, enjoy a nice glass of wine and have, you know, great conversations about the world. Uh, We love to travel together. Haven't done that in a bit. He's a great guy to hang out with. Uh, But nowadays, uh, you know, either because of the pandemic or just the way that things have evolved, when he's at home, he's mostly working. And so his body is present, but he's not mentally or emotionally present. Welcome to Fluster Clucks with Lynn Lyons, where we talk about worry and other big feelings in parenting. I'm your co-host, Robin. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law, and I'm here to ask your questions. And I'm Lynn Lyons. I'm an anxiety expert, speaker, mom, and author, and I've been a therapist for over 30 years. Parenting can be a Fluster Clucks, and I'm here to help you find your way. Robin, I am thrilled because we are sharing today our first family session. I know. We have been talking about it. It's finally here. One of the reasons I'm so excited to share this conversation, one of our goals is to really talk about the strengthening of connection in our families. That's one of our parenting goals. It's what we all want to work on. And I've explained throughout the podcast that we can't really connect on a deep level when anxiety is getting in the way. This conversation just is such a great example of that. It's such a great illustration of what happens when anxiety gets in the way of connection. If what you were saying was a lecture and I was your student, I want to get out my highlighter. Okay. To me, this is my own goal as a listener and a participant in this show. The reason why we want to work on managing our own anxiety is because we can't be truly connected or in a place of joy if anxiety is there. Right. Because anxiety is that is that boss. Anxiety is that distractor. Anxiety is that, hey, wait a second, uh, let me just pull you out of this moment. Or, hey, wait a second, if this is going well, it could go bad at any moment. Or anxiety is, let's just think about the future a lot because, gosh, things can turn bad in a minute. So we really need to plan and prepare. Anxiety takes you out of your experiences. One of the things that we talk about a lot that I always want to emphasize, you have such a command of what anxiety does and how it affects people. I don't think a lot of lay people get it where they have a very narrow view of the role anxiety could play in their lives. They think still that anxiety is this stereotypical perception of someone who's really worried about something that's about to happen in this very fretting and and nervous sort of way. Mm -hmm. But when you're trying to control the unknown, you can show up not nervous and fretting, but controlling. You can be extremely controlling and you can be rewarded for being extremely controlling of the future. Right. 
So when people talk about anxiety, they often too get really caught up in the physical symptoms of it. So they say, well, I'm anxious because I feel this way in my body. And I think it's really important just to remember that in the broadest definition of it, or in the way that we can really understand its impact, it's how do we eliminate uncertainty? How do we eliminate risk? And how do we eliminate discomfort? So if you think that that's anxiety's goal, think of all the ways that it shows up to do that. And it doesn't have to be sort of this external like, oh my gosh, I'm so worried about this, or oh, I'm freaking out, or oh my gosh, oh my gosh. It can just be this quiet, determined goal of making sure that everything goes as planned. I mean, that's it. That's it. And that's when people realize, oh, that's anxiety? Mm -hmm. Oh, because most parents, by the time their children reach a certain age, unless they're kind of in the minority of personalities, have decided that in order to get through their days, juggling family, children, jobs, it's inevitable that they start clamping down and Mm -hmm. want everything to go a certain way. Yeah. When we talk about anxiety and when we talk about how it shows up, we can broaden our appreciation for the way that it insidiously moves into families and insidiously moves into connection and to enjoyment and to fun and all sorts of ways that it just shows up and does its thing. Right, because the opposite of a parent who is fueled by their anxiety of controlling their environment to ensure that everything goes as planned That's the opposite of having just like a joyous, playful moment. Exactly. And it doesn't mean, and you'll hear about this in this conversation, it doesn't mean that you have to be joyous and playful all the time, but it means that you have to pay attention to whether or not you're allowing that to happen in your family. So here's a question that comes up over and over and over again. How do we handle parenting when our parenting styles differ? All right, so let's dive in and let's meet our first family. She's the mother of nine-year-old twins, a boy and a girl. She's currently in the role of primary caretaker for her kids, and her husband has a very demanding career, and they have hit this very common and this very difficult parenting impasse. So yeah, so I feel like the the issue that is affecting my family is fairly universal um, in that my husband and I have very different parenting styles. And our parenting styles are informed by our families of origin, you know, all the baggage that we have accumulated over the years and our life experiences. Uh, But because we're not on the same page, in particular with how we manage just the inevitable anxiety that comes with parenting, uh, it's causing a lot of friction at home. So for example, Um, I grew up in, you know, a very middle class privileged um, setting and my parents described their their parenting style as sort of benign neglect. They were very relaxed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had very little supervision and, um, you know, it worked for me because I developed a lot of autonomy and independence and problem solving and it was great. My husband comes from a family that immigrated to the United States when his parents were adults, and he was raised in a very traditional setting Mm -hmm. where parents were very involved and kind of controlling in, in, you know, how they expected you to meet milestones. And so at our base, we have two very different operating models about what is good parenting. And the thing about parenting is that there's no crystal ball. So we can't say, no, my way is the right way. 
and this is how it needs to happen. Um, and so I, I think I, I'm not really sure what to do about that because we're both pretty well convinced that the way that we're parenting is, is the move and is the best way to serve our children. Eleanor and her husband both want the same thing for the kids. They want them to become capable, independent adults. Her twins are energetic and they're feisty, those are her words, and her son is currently being evaluated for some possible executive functioning issues. This has kicked up both parents' anxiety and it's an added extra dimension to the parenting differences that they're experiencing. My son, I believe he has some ADD stuff going on. We're in the process of doing an evaluation. And so he does struggle with executive function, and that can be a huge trigger to my anxiety and my husband's anxiety. When we see him struggling to manage the tasks of daily life with independence, um, and my husband tends to try to coach our son by setting black and white expectations, like you have to do this, um, and then it will very rapidly turn into a power struggle. I try to help us all take a step back, you know, and say, is this the hill we want to die on right now? <laughs> and I think for my husband, that feels like coddling. It feels like, oh, we're letting him, my child get away with murder um, because he needs to learn that you have to follow through on X, Y, and Z. And so then we both immediately jump to our very anxious position. Both Eleanor and her husband are thinking ahead. They're looking at the skills they want their twins to develop. She told me they have very similar values, and big picture, they are really aligned. The problem, however, is how to go about teaching these skills to their nine-year-olds. How much risk are they each willing to accept during the learning process? And how do they bring their own childhood experiences into their parenting and their own parents? This is an issue I encounter so commonly. How do we recognize when the approach that has been successful for you in your life, in your family, may need some modification when it comes to your parenting and your children? There's rigidity that works in one aspect, and it works well. But being rigid in a global way across the board might not be working as well. I love this conversation because the problems Eleanor brings up are things I hear all the time. And because this is a story of trying to build skills, adapt, deepen connection across three generations and two cultures in a very loving but kind of stuck family. So here we go. My husband perceives his role as a parent as being very future oriented. I was talking to him about this. Unfortunately, he's not able to join us today because he's doing carpool. But yep, that's okay. His big deal is like, we've got to prepare our kids for the future to be successful. Um, and that was his whole task growing up is, you know, learning how to navigate the world um, without a whole lot of knowledgeable parental support. You know, he right. had to do a lot of the translating for his parents. You know, like it was on his shoulders. Yes, yes. So he's... He's a super responsible person and he really is thinking yes. ahead and he wants to be prepared for things and he wants to make sure that your kids are going to be okay in the world. And then how would you, how would you sum up your thinking? My thinking is that um, we need to let things play out a little bit and let's see what those natural consequences are because they're a much more effective teacher than lectures and shaming and, you know, like all of that heavy handed stuff. 
Yeah. Um, and so, for example, this morning we had a huge power struggle over breakfast. <laughs> My son found a hair in his egg sandwich and he was really upset about it. And cursing the universe. Um, and my husband wanted to buckle down and make him eat it because he needs mm. to learn that there will be times where there's hair in your egg sandwich. I agree completely. There will be times. However, um, I am fine if he does not want to eat it. He has a great lunch. Lunch will happen in a few hours. He can eat it then. Um, and so you can kind of see where there's this tension. And my kid is sitting at the breakfast table kind of looking at both of us like, uh, between the two of you. You know, that's just every day, all day long. Okay. So would it be safe to say that both you and your husband have the same goal, that you want your kids to be prepared, right? You're aware that there might be some executive functioning issues going on. You're wanting to pay attention to that. You as caring, loving parents, both of you want your kids to be prepared and develop the skills that they need to move forward and be successful as they move through life. Totally. The goal is the same. The problem is how do you get to the goal? Yes. Yeah. So that's the issue because both of you are very, very obviously, neither one of you subscribe to the benign neglect concept of parenting. No. Not that that doesn't have its place, although... I'm more free range. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You're, you're more free ranged and your goal is to have them develop independence, develop autonomy, yes. be good problem solvers. That's yeah. what your husband wants too, except yes. he wants to help more along the way. Between you and your husband, who would you see as more fearful in terms of parenting? I would say my husband. And I think part of it is, you know, he grew up in an urban setting um, and I grew up in the suburbs and he grew up, you know, where his entire family had to share one piece of steak for dinner. And I always had more than enough. And so I think he just has a lot more anxiety um, for very valid reasons. Um, I also spend a lot more time with the kids. I'm the primary caregiver. And I think anytime you have a parent who, you know, is sort of bopping in at the end of the day and the start of the day, but they don't see kind of the continuous development over a variety of settings, like he just doesn't know enough to, to know like, well, sometimes our kids do flip out and, you know, be regress or whatever. But most of the time, they're pretty chill. They're pretty okay. Mm -hmm. And when they flip out and regress, if you just sort of wait it out a little bit, they'll, they'll get their act together. You yeah. know that, but he, he reacts more quickly. Yeah. And he's more likely to try to clamp down and be like, you can't do this. This is mm -hmm. problematic. You know, you, why are you acting like you're three? And I'm like, well, you know, yes. And most of the time they act like they're nine. Mm -hmm. Right which also is full of a lot of emotional volatility, right? Like nine-year-olds aren't known for their completely smooth demeanors. 12-year-olds aren't, 14-year-olds aren't, right. right? So you're gonna, have some, <laughs> you're gonna have some bumps as you go. All right, let me ask you this. What do you value about what your husband brings to the table? And even in terms of your own relationship, what attracts you to this person? You, you married this person, you're raising children with this person. What does he bring that you value? He is the best person I know. Mm. Like he is just through and through a good human. And that is all I wanted in a partner. Um, I believe in him. I have faith that, you know, he's my ride or die. You know, like 
he's a good person and his sole motivation is to do good in the world. Yeah. Um, and I see that very much at play in his parenting. He just wants to do the right thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Well, that's wonderful. What a, what a wonderful thing to say about your partner. Okay. And what would he say about you? As far as what? As far as about what, what does he value he in you? Or? Yeah. What does he value in you? What does he, because he chose you. What He did. Yeah. You guys are raising these wonderful nine-year-old twins together. What does, what does he say about you? Well, I think we're very aligned in our values. Um, we're both, you know, hard workers. We want to, you know, um, we value family and our relationships. Like we spend a lot of time with our extended family. Um, so values were very much the same. And it's so interesting because when we were dating, I didn't really take into consideration the cross-cultural component because he was born in the United States. He's an American. Um, but then once you pop out some kids, you realize like, oh, wait, there's this huge other part of identity that is so deeply encoded and it, yes. it's, it infuses everything. Yes. Um, and so that's been a bit of a head scratcher for me because when I, before we had kids, I was pretty, pretty sure like we got this, yeah. you know, this is going to be great because we see eye to eye. Um, but now it's just a lot of power struggles and a lot of conflict. And my worry is that he feels like I undermine him um, because I keep pushing, you know, gently and respectfully, but like, well, whoa, we don't need to go DEFCON whatever on this, like take the, the bigger picture, like it's a long road and um, we can lose a few battles and still win the war. Right, right. Picture the thing that you've always wanted to learn and now picture that you're learning it from the person who's literally the best in the world at it. It's fantastic. And that's what you get with Masterclass. I recently listened to Matthew Walker's talk on sleep and the importance of consistency with sleep. I loved Bobby Brown's Masterclass, gave me all these tips about putting on makeup because, you know, I'm in front of a camera sometimes and I want to look good. And Bobby was such a big help. So this year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass actually helps you do it. Like I actually put on makeup the way that Bobby Brown taught me how to put on makeup. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass actually helps you do it. Masterclass offers over 180 instructors. So whether you want to master negotiation with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe you want to learn how to just make your makeup look better with Bobby Brown or sleep better with Matthew Walker, with Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one -on -one classes with the world's best. I loved it. There are over 200 classes to pick from. New classes are added every single month, like a class that talks about your gut health. So many interesting things to learn. So every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's absolutely no risk. Right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash Fluster. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash fluster. Masterclass.com slash fluster. 
Lumen is the world's first handheld metabolic coach. It's a device that measures your metabolism through your breath, and on the app, it lets you know if you are burning fat or carbs, and it gives you a tailored guidance to improve your nutrition, workouts, sleep, and even stress management. So how Lumen works is that you breathe into the Lumen device first thing in the morning, and you'll know what's going on with your metabolism, whether you're burning mostly fat or carbs. And then Lumen gives you a personalized nutrition plan for that day based on your measurements. You can also breathe into it before and after workouts and meals, so you know exactly what's going on in your body in real time. And Lumen will give you tips to keep you on top of your health game. I love the extra data that I'm getting about my health right now. Because for many women of my age, as we are going through a long chapter of hormone changes, Lumen's helping me use my body's data to make the best choices. So your metabolism is your body's engine. It's how your body turns the food you eat into the fuel that keeps you going. And because your metabolism is at the center of everything your body does, optimal metabolic health translates to a bunch of benefits, including easier weight management, improved energy levels, and better sleep, which is key. So Lumen gives you recommendations to improve your metabolic health. So what is metabolic flexibility and why should you care? Well, the key to metabolic health is something called metabolic flexibility. We love flexibility at Fluster Clucks, and that's where Lumen really shines. It refers to your body's ability to efficiently switch between using different fuel sources like carbs and fats, and there are preferred times to use each, and how well you can switch places you on the metabolic flexibility spectrum. So after getting to know you through your breath, Lumen gives you a metabolic flex score that you can track and improve upon. So if you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fluster to get $100 off Lumen. That's L-U-M-E-N-D-O-T-M-E. And use Fluster at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. So what often happens if you have parents that have different parenting styles, one of the things that happens is that you become more possessive of your style yes, and that pulls you farther apart. So sometimes it happens if you have a parent that's really not anxious at all, that maybe even is kind of a risk taker and you have another parent that's really cautious, then those parents, then they're going to stake out their territory and they're going to get more committed to it. And that becomes a problem. So you guys have a lot of great stuff to work with because your values are the same. Your goals are the same. Your big picture mentality is the same here. The only issue now between the two of you is how you're going to execute it. Now, yes. you said that you have a lot of contact with extended family. What's the influence of his parents on this or on your parents on this? How do they factor in? So his parents are amazing. They have, uh, they live five minutes away from us. We see them like three or four times a week. And they have, I mean, they have played a foundational role in, in our family. And what's so funny is that they've really mellowed with age. And so I think the experience my husband had growing up is very different from how they see the world now. They've survived you know, they, they made it out of, of really difficult financial straits. They're comfortable. And so they can unclench a little bit. Um, but I don't think my husband is able to unclench. Um, and so what's really interesting is that they, 
they have become allies with me. Um, and we've had like interventions with my husband where we're like, dude, you need to, to calm down a little bit. Um, so another frequent source of conflict is nutrition. Um, he is really like stuck on, you know, sugar is really bad and, you know, we got to eat our plants and blah, blah, blah. I agree. I, I enjoy my sugar, but it, you know, it's not the greatest thing. So, so his parents have actually done like a, an intervention where we sit down with my husband and we all sit together trying to, to help him understand that a cookie now and then is, is fine. <laughs> it's not the end of the world. Yeah. So it's been interesting because they really are supportive of, we have to enjoy life. You know, we want to keep driving towards these goals of raising our kids to be responsible citizens of the world. Um, but it's okay to have a cookie now hmm. and then. Yeah. Is he rigid anywhere else or is it mainly about the parenting? No, he is completely rigid in all aspects. Um, okay. Like, but, but it's really worked for him. Um, so his job has a lot of responsibility. And if he is not checking and making sure that everyone else is doing their bit, um, things can go catastrophically wrong. Um, and so it, it has really worked for him. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like we're really stuck in our positions. Um, it, it's very entrenched. So this is, is an example of when somebody has a skill or somebody has a way of going about things that works in one area, but that doesn't work so well in another area. So it makes me think of one of my best friends growing up. Her dad was a very successful business person and a former Marine. And when he was being a Marine at work as a chief executive, that worked really, really well. But at home, and his wife was the primary caretaker and he would show up at home, when he acted like the Marine at home, that didn't go so well. And so the problem is, how do you talk to your husband about the fact that his rigidity is really valuable in some places, but not in all places? And the way that you can tell where rigidity is not valuable is where it impacts relationships. So if you were to talk to your husband about the value of flexibility in creating positive relationships, if you want to look at the long game here, mm -hmm. there are two components you have to look at. Not only do you want your children to be successful or to be independent or be able to manage their time, all those other things. You also want to look at the long-term relationship picture. When kids have very controlling parents, when they have a parent that is incredibly rigid, that it's my way or the highway, even if it comes from a place of caring, which clearly that's the place that it comes from with your husband. For one, that is a fast track into anxiety. We know that. The more control that a parent exerts, right? It also results oftentimes in that child not really growing up and having a very connected relationship to that parent. Yeah. So what you have as a, as a good model for that is how wonderfully connected he is to his own parents. So in his culture, the value of this generational connection, right? That the grandparents mm -hmm. are a big part of their children's lives and their grandchildren's lives. 
how wonderful for your children that they've been able to experience their grandparents. Yeah. So being able to talk to him about the fact that connection is really something that he wants to pay attention to and perhaps is something that I don't want to say that he's missing, but perhaps that he's not emphasizing enough. Right. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I would ask him is what are the things that he does with his children that he really enjoys? What are the activities that they do? When are they playful? Does that happen? Can he be playful with his kids? No, no. <laughs> so that's another power struggle because the things he likes to do with the kids, they don't want to do with him. So he wants to take them on a long run through the park. They say no. <laughs> they don't want to go for a run. Um, he wants to, you know, it, it's very difficult uh, because the things that, that make him feel good um, because it's, it's coming, it's suiting his interests yes. and it's adult led and not child led. Um, it, it's, it, yeah, there's less buy-in. Yeah. So he has a hard time with that. You know, where I would start with this in talking to him is that, is it more important, and this is what my mentor has said to me many times, is it more important for him to be right or to be connected? Yeah. And I'm sure professionally, it's more important for him to be right. He yeah. doesn't need to value. There's probably a certain level of connection that he needs. He wants to work collaboratively with, collaboratively with people, but it's not so important for him to be connected with a family it's more important for him to be connected than to be right. And the other thing that, he, that I really want him to hear, and he will listen to this, I hope. The yeah, other thing that, yeah. that I want him to hear is that there is a really big sweet spot with parenting. So being able to say to him, if your goal and my goal is for us to have this strong family connection, which you so value, Part of that is being able to recognize that his rigidity, his need to be right, his fear, because rigidity a lot of times comes from fear, is getting in the way of him being able to connect. It is really hard to be both rigid and right and controlling and be connected. Those two things don't generally hang out together. Now, let me ask, aside from parenting, how do you connect with each other? We um, used to spend a lot more time connecting with each other, having kids, and then also living through a pandemic with, you know, um, a lot of closures. But the way that we used to connect is we used to go out for dinner and, you know, enjoy a nice glass of wine and have, you know, great conversations about the world. Uh, we love to travel together. Haven't done that in a bit. Um, you know, we just, I just, he's a great guy to hang out with. Yeah. Um, I just enjoy hanging out. Yeah. Uh, but nowadays, uh, you know, either because of the pandemic or just the way that things have evolved, when he's at home, he's mostly working. Um, and so his body is present, but he's not mentally or emotionally present. And so then um, it seems like to get his attention, things have to bubble up to a certain level mm. of drama. Um, so 
so there's that. Well, and then I was going to say the other thing that um, I'm sure we're not the only family struggling with is the impact of phones. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he has to be really connected for his work. And so he's all, constantly all hours of the day fielding calls and, you know, putting out fires. And so um, I think it's hard for him to really settle into connection time because he's always on the verge of being yanked right out. I would strongly recommend that as soon as possible that you too have or get back to having a part of your life that is separate from your children and separate from your work. He has the work compartment. You have the work compartment. You both have the parenting compartment. And then you've got this relationship, which everything that you've said about your relationship, the two of you is just wonderful, right? The connection and traveling and having great conversations and going out to dinner. What happens oftentimes we have kids is that that's the only thing we talk about. So if you were to go out to dinner, one of the rules you would make with each other is that we can't talk about the kids. So -hmm. if you guys have a date night, that's not the time for you to hash out this parenting conflict or any parenting conflict. You just say, and we're going to talk about other things and do other things because that's, that's an interesting thing that happens after we have kids. The other thing too is he sounds like he's probably kind of an all or nothing guy, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that rigidity and all or nothing. If I had him in my office, what I would really say to him is that I want you to have moments of playfulness and moments of joy with your kids. So you don't have to be parenting them all the time in that way of parenting that he thinks about. You don't have to be constantly teaching him something. Sometimes we say, we look for those teachable moments. And it's really important to remember as a parent, you can have non-teachable moments too, right? And, and sometimes yes. the non-teachable moments end up, ironically, paradoxically, to be the most teachable moments. So instead of him thinking that he has to have a long activity or he has to take the kids on a long run or that he has to commit to this long period of time, talk to him about moments of playfulness, moments of silliness. Because I want your kids to see him being joyful with them. And it sounds like right now, he's not getting a lot of joy out of parenting. No. Yeah. I mean, he's probably very proud of them and he has high hopes for them and he wants the best for them and he loves them. Um, Obviously, he just loves them so intensely that he wants all the right things for them. But where's the joy? Yeah. And that's, that's the stuff that will sustain you. And that's the stuff that will keep that relationship going through the teenage years and through the young adult years when they're finding their own way and wanting to go off and do their own thing. If you think about his parents, do you see between your children and his parents, do you see playfulness and joy? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, I feel like they regret that they missed out on being able to do that with him. And so now they're recapturing it with, with my kids. And so, for example, like he always wanted a certain action figure when he was a kid, but they couldn't afford it. He never got, um, I think it was Spider-Man or Superman. Anyway, um, and so even though my kids are not into superheroes, you know, uh, his mother bought them the figurines. And so there's sort of a healing that they're able to to experience. Um, but he's still on the outside looking in. He's watching yeah. them get the figurines. But then he sees they're like, oh, I'm not into Spider-Man. And so they don't play with it. And it kills him. 
I think you just said something really, really important. You just said that he feels like he's on the outside looking in. Yes. Right? And that's a very lonely place for him to be. Yeah. And the way that he wants to impact, the way that he wants to experience his value as a parent is using the skills that come naturally to him, which are clearly his work ethic, his attention to detail, his making sure that things don't get dropped through the cracks. The thing that parenting does for you, whether you like it or not, is that it forces you to develop the skills that perhaps you didn't get or that you don't have automatically. So flexibility is a huge one. Being able to step back and let things unfold. In the gym that I go to, there's a sign that says, work your weak parts, right? Just don't go in and do the bicep curls because that's the thing that's easiest. He has to accept that these children are a gift to him because he is going to learn to develop and explore and amplify parts of him that he didn't have a chance to amplify or explore probably when he was working so hard to, to make a successful life for himself. Yeah. And that his parents perhaps didn't have the opportunity to amplify either. It was tough, right? I mean, they were working hard to keep this family together. So it's almost as if you want to say to him, you know, your parents are teaching you and showing you the parts of you that you get to develop. And it doesn't mean that he has to let go because he's all or nothing, right? That's the thing sometimes all or nothing is that, well, if I start being playful with my kids, then I'm not going to be a disciplinarian or it's going to go to hell in a handbasket. I'm going to have these kids that are coddled and spoiled and they won't be able to do anything on their own, right? It's that all or nothing thinking. He's going to need a lot of encouragement because right now he, he feels undermined, mm-hmm. right? So right now it's five against one, right? Because it's the three kids and the two grandparents against him. Yeah. So that's how he feels. Everybody is saying to him, you're not doing this right. You're not doing this right. He's going to need a lot of encouragement. He's going to need permission to do little moments of play. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have to hear from you when you see him trying this. And when you see him doing this, you need to just say to him, when I am watching you be playful with our boy, it just makes me love you so much. I feel so connected to you when I see you being playful. Mm -hmm. And really just acknowledge that that's a hard thing for him to do. It's a scary thing for him to do because it feels like a very slippery slope. Exactly. Robin and I travel a lot. And part of traveling is that you learn that you have to compromise, right? So maybe you're not going to get the best seat on the plane. Well, you know where you shouldn't compromise? You shouldn't compromise with your health care. When it comes to your health, there's no compromising, everybody. Don't go back to that one doctor who didn't really pay attention to you, who rushed you through your appointments. Check out ZocDoc. This is the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, insurance, so literally no compromises here. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. You don't have to wait. You don't have to be on hold with a receptionist. These doctors all have verified reviews from real patients. So 
The typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is just between 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. I have two young adult sons. They are always needing something, right? We've had broken elbows. We've had tonsils. We've had this. We've had that. If I were a young person, if I were a parent trying to help my young person find a doctor, this is what I would use. So, Go to ZocDoc.com slash Fluster and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Fluster. ZocDoc.com slash Fluster. If you are a mom who's trying to keep your calendar organized, keep your family's appointments where they need to be, then I'll tell you, the Skylight Calendar is a product that you ought to check out. You know how it is. Running a household can be pure chaos and it can be so stressful. This is why you need to check out the Skylight Calendar. It is going to make your life easier, mom. It really is. The Skylight Calendar is a smart touchscreen calendar and organizer for all your chores, groceries, to-do lists and a great way to manage appointments to make sure they never overlap and they're never missed. It helps keep busy households on track so families can get time back for moments that really matter. The Skylight Calendar is so easy to use and to set up. It's not going to frustrate you. You're going to be able to get it going within minutes. It syncs events from other family calendars, including Google, Apple, Outlook. You can add events directly using the touchscreen or with the free Skylight mobile app. Updates to linked calendars will automatically appear on the Skylight calendar at home. So no more worrying that you guys are going to forget something. No more cluttered paper calendars. It shows all family events together in one spot. The events are color-coded so you can easily see what everyone has going on each week. When the calendar's not in use, you can turn it into a digital picture frame. It's 100% satisfaction guaranteed. If you don't love the Skylight calendar, you'll receive a full refund. They offer a 120-day money-back guarantee and free returns. You can't beat it. I think the feature that I love most is the collaborative way we can all add to the grocery list. And then when I'm ready to place an online order, whether I'm at home or my office, I have that list and there's no more items that we forget. So as a special time-limited offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash flusterclucks. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash flusterclucks. Mother's Day is coming right up. So order today to get 15% off your purchase at skylightcal.com slash flusterclucks. Yeah. Now the other thing too, and you can talk to him about this and think about this, Remember I said at the beginning that sometimes one parent, you get more defensive about your roles. Do you see yourself becoming more inconsistent or do you see yourself not asking things of your kids because you're trying to compensate for his control or do you, and would he say that? Yeah, I think he would. Um, So you're 
totally hitting the nail on the head here because I, I feel like we just keep moving farther apart. And I see, oh man, they already had two big blow up power struggles. I want the rest of the day to go smoothly. And so um, I engineer ways for it, you know, for, for conflicts not to crop up. Um, and so then he feels even more like, well, she's letting this slide. And so I'm the one who's got to hold down the fort or, you know, be the one watching the store to use another metaphor. So it it is, it's a vicious cycle and we just keep getting farther apart from each other. You want to acknowledge that to him as well. Yeah. And you want to say, you know, I bet sometimes when I'm so concerned that you're being too heavy handed, I try and help them avoid conflict or I try and make it easier for them. And that must absolutely drive you nuts. And that absolutely must trigger your fear and your anxiety behind your back. I'm creating these soft, unmotivated kids. Yes. So acknowledge that to him and even ask him and say, you've got to make a deal with him. And the deal is that the two of you are going to move closer together, which means that he has to really pay attention to this level of control that he's trying to exert. We know it comes from fear. When I talk to families, I always want to talk about what they need to add rather than saying, you know, don't do this, do this. I want him to add moments of joy. Mm-hmm. What do you think you need to add? If you were going to show him that you hear him and you understand what's going on, what would you need to add? That obviously is my blind spot. <laughs> That's going to be hard for me to think through. Um, What I find is that, you know, I'm able to get a lot better results with the kids because I'm more going with the flow. And so they actually do a lot more chores for me. They do a lot more academic work for me um, because I know their little ways. And so like if my kid has to clean out the guinea pig cage, he will either get into a big fight with his dad and his dad will be like, you need to do it now. Or I'll, you know, I'll swoop in and be like, Hey, I'll keep you company. You clean out the cage and um, we'll chit chat while you do that. Boom. He's done. He's doing it. It's, you know, power struggle is over. Um, And so it's, I don't know, like I'm getting them to do all the stuff. Um, It's just, in such a different way, like, then do I need to add in, do it more independently? You know, like, maybe, yep, you could ask your husband about that. Mm -hmm. He's seeing you swoop in and he's seeing you do too much for them, perhaps. Maybe the two of you talk about what are the areas in which you feel like you step in a little too quickly? Or, you know, I always have this homework assignment that I give to families where I want you to take an inventory of the things you do for your kids automatically. And at age nine, this is a time, it's a real transition time. And maybe think about what am I doing for them automatically that maybe they can do for themselves. Yeah. See if you can come up with three things that just because you've been raising them since they were one minute old, that you step in and do automatically. Well, I was just going to say it's for me, my stance is I'm not doing anything for them that they can do for themselves. I believe in child labor. You know, they... They're very capable young people, but the the secret ingredient is I will keep them company, like using the influence of my relationship to engage them in actually doing the thing they don't want to do. And does your husband have a problem with that? Does he see that as coddling? He does. Yes. 
they should at, at this age they should be able to do it all by themselves we've like laundry right they've been doing their laundry for two years now um they know how to do it but good for you yeah you know what they are they need to be able to function in the world we're very aligned on that laundry is important <laughs> and so they know how to do the laundry but the laundry will sit in the hamper clean dry but unfolded and not put away unless I hang out and we have a chit chat while we're folding together and they put it away. Um, that is how I get it done. I am sort of trading on the relationship to get their engagement and cooperation. Whereas he's very much like, no, they need to be able to do this by themselves. Yeah. Okay. So find some middle ground there. This may be a place where you can move in his direction Mm -hmm. that will really help him see that you're listening to him. Okay. Right? If they come to believe that the only way that they can do things is, is if you're with them, right? That's the currency that you guys are dealing with. That's going to get in the way in a little bit. You know, they're nine, so I see what you're doing, and I think it's fabulous they're doing their own laundry. But see if you can say to them, and be very open with them, say, you know, one of the things that I do to get you to do your chores, like the guinea pig cage or folding the laundry, is that you want my company. And, you know, as much as I love hanging out with you guys, I really, you know, I don't want to sit and hang out with you when you're cleaning the guinea pig cage. So let's do this. I want you to go and do it by yourself. And if you get stuck, give me a call and come check in with me. Don't make it a dramatic thing, but let your husband know that that's a place where you're moving in his direction. Mm -hmm. It's working that if you do everything with them, but this is perhaps a place where you can, can let him know that you are working toward having them be more independent and he will see that you mean that. Yeah. We can't say to him, you're too controlling and Eleanor does everything perfectly. We can't say that, right? Well, and it's not true. And it's not true. Of course, it's not true. Have the four of you, I know you've had these interventions with, with his parents. Have the four of you sat down together and talked about this? Oh, yeah. We do family meetings um, oh, okay. all the time. Because like we'll have a complete disaster of a morning and then at uh -huh. dinner I say okay we gotta sort this out because I don't I'm not doing that again <laughs> okay so here's the interesting thing though is that this pattern keeps repeating itself mm -hmm. so you'll have a horrible morning and then at dinner you'll talk it through then it happens over and over again right so yes. fabulous that you're having family meetings and fabulous that you're having discussions about this I would like you guys to have a discussion about this not on the heels of a problem. Okay. Because what happens is, is that say you have this horrible morning and there's a hair on the egg sandwich, and then you're going to talk about that. You're going to get caught up in the content of what happened with the egg sandwich. Totally. It's going to become a debate about whether or not you eat something that had a hair on it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I want it to be much more of a process discussion. Yeah. And even you and your husband sitting down ahead of time and agreeing on some things that you're going to do and that you're going to present to the kids, because I want you two to feel unified, because right yes. now it's divided. It's five yeah. against one. So I want you two to feel unified. And I want you guys to have a meeting with the kids. And this is maybe where you present to them that you're not going to keep them company during all of these chores so that you can talk about the process of it rather than get caught up in the specifics. It's same church, different pew. It keeps happening over and over again, but then you have a discussion about the specifics. So have a conversation when you're not on the heels of a blowout. I would just be really clear in this family meeting that we are stuck in this pattern. 
And that dad's really going to work on his flexibility. I'm going to really work on really supporting because dad and I have the same values. So I'm going to work on, you know, having you do your chores a little more independently. And then you could ask them, what, what are you two going to work on? And that we're all going to work on having moments of playfulness. Mm-hmm. We're all going to work on having moments of playfulness. Because I think you get into these patterns and everybody sort of, like I say, these stakes out their territory. And boy, if your kids could belly laugh with their dad, if he could say to them, all right, I've got 15 minutes. What do you guys want to do? And have him do what they want to do. That's going to give him a lot more currency too. It's going to make the conflict between the two of you go way down. Yeah. And it's going to allow him to actually have the experience of playing with his kids and take him out of this fearful parenting place and bring him back into this enjoyable parenting place. Not everything is a teachable moment. A lot of times it's just, we're just going to be silly. We're just going to have fun. And truly those are the most teachable moments anyway, because boy, is that an important skill to have. You want to talk to him about the parts of himself and how much you value so many parts of himself. But when the rigidity steps into the parenting in a way that's so global, in a way that's so pervasive, that it doesn't make any room for play, that's going to impact the relationship. Okay. Present it to him as an experiment mm-hmm. because it's not working right now. Yeah. He is not enjoying parenting his kids. No. 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 And that's sad because you said he's just one of the best people you know, and his potential or his ability to teach his kids so many valuable things is right there. Right. Yep. We just want to think about it in terms of he's, he's learning to amplify a valuable part of himself that unfortunately has been a little bit squashed because of the pandemic, because of the pressure of his job, because of his upbringing, because of the messages that he got that are so much a part of his culture, so much a part of his experience. We want to honor all of that and make room for this other part. Sounds great. All right. I feel like I've got a good, a good direction to travel in. Um, okay. I really appreciate your wisdom. You've just got to compliment him and love him. When you see him working on this, when you see him really trusting, this is a big leap of faith for him to make. Yes. And so when you see him doing that, you know, I mean, you don't have to have a parade. Put your hand on your heart and just be like, oh, just let him know that you know he's doing that. Because he's not going to do it perfectly at first. Oh, no. But, but still, it's about approximations. So we're getting there. Yep. yep. <laughs> Moments of joy. You may have to say, okay, everybody, we've got five minutes before we have to go here. Let's all have some silliness. You may have to model that for him, too. Yeah. You want to connect him to the joy of parenting. Yeah. And that's a nicer way of saying it than we want to make him less controlling. He's so rigid and controlling. <laughs> we know where it comes from. We want to connect him to the joy of parenting. The listeners can't see your face. I'm looking at your face. But the way you talk about him, what your connection is to him, truly, you know, you're smiling, your eyes are lighting up. We have this one issue between the two of you, but you've got such a strong foundation to build upon. So that's wonderful. Thank you so much for opening yourself up and 
being vulnerable in this way and letting other people get a little glimpse inside what is a very, very common issue. All right. Well, thank you. Lynn, that was great. I loved what you said and what I'm hearing and what our listeners are also probably hearing is the power of play, but recognizing when our partners need support with that. It's so it's so basic, but I love the language that you use, that you encouraged her to sort of acknowledge he's going out of his comfort zone. And I think that we take parenting really seriously, but that we don't have to be so serious in our parenting. And so there's this really great quote. There's a guy named Jay Haley. He's no longer with us, but he was an incredibly creative and huge, huge voice in the family therapy field. And he said, I'm paraphrasing here, but you can recognize the seriousness of the problems that families bring to you, but you can adjust them and you can go after them in the spirit of play. And I've always remembered that. That's amazing. Well, that's your whole thing, too. It's like therapy should also not be too serious. Well, because we connect on a level of playfulness. We collect, you know, if we're talking about connection, people want to know that I'm a human being as a therapist. They want to know that I have a sense of humor. And it was so wonderful to hear Jay say that because I was actually early in my career, I was getting some blowback from people saying that I was too funny, actually, that I wasn't taking things seriously enough. And I was like, okay, wait a second. That doesn't feel right to me. If we look at the way that human beings connect, if we look at the laughter, if we look at things like music and play and being able to to feel things with each other, that's what's so important. Mm, that's great. So this is the first of an ongoing series of family sessions that we will do. We're building a resource section for listeners that will have all of these in an unedited form. So you will just hear the complete session with Lynn and the family exactly as it played out. And if you would like to be considered for one of these future episodes, remember that the link is in our Facebook group. So you can join the Facebook group from our website or the show notes. And I just want to say thank you so much for any family, and particularly for Eleanor, our kickoff family, to share what was going on in her family. I just know that it's going to be helpful to so many other people. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Fluster Clucks. Bye, Robin. Bye, Lynn. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.